You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Coming up on today's episode, we break down the two first-round picks made by the Winnipeg Jets in the draft, look back at the Rick bonus hire, and look ahead to the start of free agency. Hello, everybody. Recording live from somewhere. What's good and welcome to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rewicki. You can follow me on Twitter at Brandon underscore Rewicki or the podcast at Skates Plates Pod. All right, a little bit later than normal, but we're back at it here finally. Apologies for the delay. But uh spent the past few days searching and looking, turning the house upside down to try to find a very important microphone cable and adapter that a certain 18-month-old in my house thought would be fun to hide under the carpet behind the couch. But it's been found. We can move on. The stressful time here is over. Uh, but it's good that we're good to go now because we've got a ton, a ton of Jets news and hockey news to get to here. A draft to, to look back on, a coaching hire as well in that time frame, and a captain that might be out the door sooner than later. So let's get right into it here. And we'll start with Thursday night's NHL draft. And I'll tell you what, I could get used to this annual tradition of the Winnipeg Jets just having these talented youngsters fall to wherever they're drafting. They scoop them up and then watch it pay off immediate dividends a year or two down the road. It happened again, right? It's it's like the, the Breaking Bad gym. How, how does Chevy keep getting away with this? But it happened again for the Winnipeg Jets, who, in my opinion, had a better 30th overall pick than they did the 14th overall pick. And I actually liked the kid they took at 14th overall, too, but pretty close to a dream draft scenario for the Winnipeg Jets on Thursday night. Able to nab Rutger McGrordy, a Hall of Fame name right there at number 14, and then all the way at number 30. Former top five, top ten pick, highly touted Brad Lambert to essentially cap off the end of the first round there. And it's an intriguing, interesting couple of picks made by the Jets for a few reasons. The first being that, (laughs) for me, if you would have said that the Jets took Brad Lambert at 14 and and Rudger McGrody at 30, I would have said that's a hell of a first round by the club. You know, the fact that they, you know, flip-flop selections there, it doesn't really bother me or anything like that, but it just kind of goes to show that, hey, the Jets, 
they got tremendous value at at number 30 there and you know what I'll I'll trust Kevin Chevalier and his group of scouts when it comes to picking guys in the first round from the U.S. National Development Team, right? If you're going to reach on somebody, if you're the Jets, that's not a bad spot to pick from because you've able you've been able to pick up, uh, you know, a few all-star nods and a, and a few top-of-the-line-up guys since the Jets came back to Winnipeg from that particular program. So no issues there with, you know, who went where, but just interesting that, you know, the, the, the names could have been flip-flopped, and personally, I wouldn't have had much of a problem with that whatsoever. But the intriguing part when you look at what Rutger McGrory and Brad Lambert bring to the table is that they are the complete opposite of each other. It's really fascinating to me to to watch a team with two first round picks select guys that, you know, essentially will say play the same position, but are polar opposites from each other. And, And really their games could not be any more different. And you just hear all the time of how certain clubs, and this is true really for for any sport, right? But certain teams value certain traits, and that's the kind of player that they consistently go after, especially when it comes to guys in the first round there, right? And some teams overvalue skill or size or whatever it may be, and they tend to draft similar type players. So it's it's, it's really cool to see the Winnipeg Jets buck that trend here and in their mind just flat out take the best player available. So let's start with the, we'll do a quick breakdown of the two picks and what Jets fans can expect from these two young cats in the next couple of years here and why their games are so different yet why they're still able to, in theory, become successful and effective NHLers for a long time to come. With Rutger McGrory, and again, Hall of Fame name, you, you don't have a name like Rutger and end up being an accountant or something like, you know what I mean? No offense to accountants, right? If you're if you're called Rutger, you're playing pro at, at some level somewhere in the world in some sport. But he's a guy that I would probably, you know, it's, it's not a direct comparison stylistically, to how they play, but he's more of a, an Andrew Cop type player, right? Like somebody that is going to do all the right things out there, isn't going to necessarily wow you with skill and and high end talent and a great skating stride or anything like that. But he's gonna do all the little things right that eventually add up to somebody that's a super effective player. And yay, on top of that, he did produce pretty well with the U.S. team this past season. He was one of their one of their more efficient, productive scorers. So it's not like that is completely void out of his game. But when you're talking about what you can expect from somebody like Rutger McGrory, it would be someone along that mold. He's a really safe pick, right? Like he's, in my opinion at least, and I haven't watched him as much as the Jet Scouts have, but I, I just don't, when you, when you look at his profile, when you watch him play, it doesn't scream, hey, this is an all-star first-line winger, right? To me, he's just a really safe pick, a guy that's got a super high floor. And I think realistically, a base-case scenario for the Jets here is that he is a really, really complete player that you can slot in on either your second line to help drive that line, even as a winger, or he's a complementary player up there on the top line. Right? Like that that's the kind of guy that I envision McGrory to eventually tap out as. And that's still a pretty it's a pretty damn good player to get at 14th overall. It's 
It's not the same as picking inside the top 10 where you're looking to make more of a home run swing. This is a nice solid double into the gap for the Winnipeg Jets to kick off an inning there. So I, I would say that, you know, if you if you expect somebody like an Andrew Kopp, somebody that can be, you know, a 60-point guy and does all the little things right, plays all situations, you're going to be pretty happy with a guy like Rucker McGordy in your organization. And obviously the Winnipeg Jets are happy to do so. On the flip side, though, and you talk about home run swings, like this is the the home run or you're out on three pitches swinging with, with Brad Lambert, a guy that has had some, I, I don't know, necessarily character issues, but maybe some, some effort issues. Some I, I've seen some scouts say that he wasn't bringing a consistent effort each and every night, but when he's on... There's very few players in this draft class that can match what Brad Lambert brings to the table. While McGrory doesn't have the greatest skating stride in the world, Brad Lambert, you can make the case, might be the best skater in this draft. He is absolutely electric. He's, he's for, for a guy at his size to skate as well as he does, it's pretty enticing and alluring to think, I mean, you could have Cal Connor on one line, one of the fastest straight-line skaters in the NHL, Nikolai Ehlers, who moves as well as anybody, and then Brad Lambert, like three guys that can just fly like the wind and to go along with hopefully Pierre-Luc Dubois, who's a bull down the middle when he gets going. The Jets are going to be a team that will not lack speed two, three, four years down the road, assuming everything goes well here. And then you throw in the skill on top of it. You know, as a 16-year-old at the World Juniors, he was Finland's best player. He was their best player by a mile. He's got great hands. He's got a lethal shot. I, for, for me, watching him play a handful of times, he, he looks like the complete package out there. And it's pretty easy to see why, when he's on, that a lot of people had him as a top 5, top 10 pick in this year's draft. So... I guess you might be wondering, well, if, if he's got all the tools there, then why did he almost drop out of the first round entirely? And, and that's a fair question. You know, I, I do wonder sometimes with, and, and it's easy to forget this, but when you have 16, 17, 18-year-old kids, essentially, trying to play professional hockey in a league against men, getting traded, going to a new team, all the expectations and the weight of the world on your shoulder as a hyped-up young prospect, there might be a few bumps in the road along the way. It doesn't mean that a player is completely lost. It just means that it's, you know, not an upward trajectory, right? There, there might be a little bit of growing pains to happen along the way there. And look, fortunately for the Winnipeg Jets, I think they're the beneficiary of this. He... If you can't tell already, Brad Lambert was one of my favorite players in the draft. And I know he was, you know, after a disappointing production-wise season this past year in Finland, I knew he was not going to be a top 10 pick. But I thought, you know what, if the Jets could make a make a run at him with number 14, I, I, don't, I don't mind taking a shot like that on a talent like that and throw him into your prospect pool. But to get him at 30 is such a coup. It, it is just... It really goes to show how and why the Winnipeg Jets have been so good at drafting. And I know some people have had some, you know, issues with some of the players they've taken in recent years. And, oh, they can't develop and they don't know this, this, and that. They they sure as hell can pick some players. I, I'm sorry. You, you might not like all of them, but 
the process is pretty sound right now with the Winnipeg Jets. And when a talent like Brad Lambert falls to you at number 30, you're given a bit of a gift from the Andrew Cobb trade and the Rangers going on a run. You got to take advantage of it. Bad teams don't, good teams do. And I, I think Kevin Sheveldayoff and his staff know what they're doing when it comes to the draft table and getting quite possibly one of the most talented players in this entire draft at that slot is just a major win. And it makes it a major victory on the night for the Winnipeg Jets after round one. And that's coming from a guy who wanted to trade the 30th overall pick going into the night. Right, so it shows what I know, you know, that, that the Jets had the patience to hold on to it. And I'll tell you what, you know, they might have got a, a solid second, third line guy with that first round pick if they dangled it in a trade. But I doubt it could be somebody that has the potential of a guy like Brad Lambert. So I'll eat a bit of crow there. Happy to have that selection and happy that the Jets ultimately made the right pick there. And that is a pretty, pretty impressive haul so far for this hockey club. It, I mean, pressure's off a little bit for the rest of the draft here, in my opinion, because you're adding two high-end, high-quality prospects to this pool. And all of a sudden, when the cupboards were a little dry these, I don't know, maybe three years ago, three, four years ago, as some of these prospects started to graduate and develop on the big club, the Jets all of a sudden are are pretty loaded in in all positions of their of their prospect pool. It, it's it's not a top five one in the NHL. I, I I think that's fair to say, but it's it's certainly in the upper half. And I'd like to see ten ones that are better than what Winnipeg has right now. And last night's results certainly played a massive, massive, massive part in that. And it's just it's weird, right? Well, you're more happy with the thirtieth pick if you're me in this situation than you are with the fourteenth pick, but. I think both these kids are going to be tremendous NHLers for a long time. Now, we'll switch focus here from last night's draft to both the past and the future. We'll talk coaching. We'll talk potential moves ahead of free agency in just a sec here. But before we do that, let's give a quick shout out to our friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook, where the action never ends, especially in the summer, with a monster deal up for grabs for you. Remember, you can throw down action on any of the major sports, baseball, golf, MMA, a whole bunch more. Eventually, hockey, football, basketball in a couple months' time. And if you want to win a little bit of money as well, well, the Blue Jays are in Seattle. They're home away from home in uh, the major leagues. And nothing wrong with uh, tossing a little moolah on the Blue Jays to pick up some wins this weekend, Friday, Saturday, late night. I'm kind of liking the idea of that one. And you can take advantage with this big, big offer from DraftKings. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Make your first deposit and get a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's promo code THPN, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for more details. So before we look ahead to the rest of the draft... And the crazy season before free agency kicks off next week. Let's go back in time a little bit and talk about the new coach that's rolled into town here, right? A new era has begun. And it wasn't one of the usual suspects that the Winnipeg Jets went with. It wasn't Trotz, it wasn't Montgomery or Talkit or Neal. No, it was Rick Bonus, seemingly out of left field 
who has become the third full-time head coach in Jets 2.0 franchise history, coming back to the organization where he's had a ton of history here. Now, I would say mixed reaction is probably the best way to describe how Jets Nation is feeling about this, right? <laughs> like it's, it's a little bit of both here. I'll, I'll get to why that might be in just a sec. But whether you're feeling opta or pessimistic about this recent coaching hire for the Winnipeg Jets, I think it's fair to say the end to this team's coaching search cycle was a bit of a number two show. And look, when you go all in for Barry Trotz, for what it ended up being, like three weeks, something like that, you put all your eggs into that basket, but then it's ripped away from you, yeah, you're going to be behind the eight ball and, and you're going to be trying to scramble quickly here. What we saw the Jets reportedly try to do once Trotz opted to stay on the sidelines this year, you know, it, it, it kind of got a little messy in my opinion. Like from there, you lose out on Montgomery. Tockett seemingly chooses the TNT gig over coming up to Winnipeg. And from there, management felt like the best course of action was to go with a stopgap for a couple years to help guide this team through quite possibly the most pivotal moments since they returned to Manitoba, right? And on top of it, it's a coach who admitted he was offered some assistant jobs, but no head coaching offers. But it was the Jets that pounced on bringing him in instead of giving the reins to a younger first-time guy. So even if you're in the positive vibes department, you'd probably like your team to have handled this a little more smoothly and how it ultimately went down here. And I say that as somebody that really likes Rick Bonus. <laughs> He's a super easy guy to cheer for. He seems like an awesome dude. He showed that with Dallas. He offers some things that can get the Jets back on track quickly here. But you know what? Say what you will about some of the other coaching hires across the league this offseason. Those teams all got the guy they wanted. You know, the Winnipeg Jets couldn't pull that off. And maybe it says a little bit about the organization. Maybe it doesn't. But maybe it does say something about the team when they're forced to go to plan C or D or maybe even E if you believe certain reports out there. And, and you can tell by the mixed reaction from the fan base on this. Some love it. A lot of loud voices hate it. When I, when I look at the situation as a whole, though, here's where I kind of fall on this. I think they're both right. <laughs> I don't necessarily disagree with the people that hate the move and the people that love the move either because I think they both make some valid points here. You know, people that didn't like the hire will make the case that, you know, it's another hire of a retread NHL coach, recycling another one on the line, and these moves ultimately tend to fail more than they succeed. And that's true. Like, it, it's hard to deny that, right? The majority of these moves ultimately don't pan out. When you give guys second, third, fourth opportunities. It is, you know, it's a pretty unoriginal hire by Chevy and company. And when you look at the fact that the Dallas Stars are trying to be a, a quote-unquote win-now team. And they felt like Rick Bonus had passed his expiration date with that club. It does ring a few alarm bells here and there. But people that do like the hire will say, look, he may have had a few stops before. But you can't hold his poor win-loss record against him when he coached the expansion Senators. And right now, more than ever, the Jets need an experienced hand to help guide them through this rough patch that they've entered into. And again, I think there's a lot of truth to that as well. 
a first-time coach might have some difficulty in, in trying to get this team to play the right way, try to listen to set the tone and, and, and shift the culture here. Whereas you bring in somebody like Rick Bonus, who's been around the block. He knows how to connect with players, young and old, and has a recent track record proven to get a team to play an extremely structured, strong defensive game. That is a good thing, <laughs> right? But then you have the negative side again. People upset by the hire that will say, look, the game's passed them by. Too much dump and chase. Too much top six, bottom six split up front to be successful in the modern NHL. And if you watch the cup final at all, if, if you want to play that way, you're going to get killed by these upper echelon teams. And by all accounts, Rick Bonus was pretty steadfast on those two measures in his last stop with the Dallas Stars. But the counter to that would be, he did the best he could with what he had, right? And he was able to take that team, make them better than the sum of their parts, and get them to within a couple of wins of a Stanley Cup trophy. And, and that's all correct as well. So when you take into account both the good and the bad here, I think I'm at the point when it comes to Rick Bonus coaching here in Winnipeg, there's more good than bad, but it's not an overwhelming margin like a C plus or a B minus, right? I, I do have confidence that Rick Bonus is going to create a more structured team, a team that's more difficult to play against than the year before. And I, I think he'll surprise some people as well by how the Jets look in all three phases of the ice. But I, I do have a lot of concerns about this move as well. You know, the top six, bottom six split with the forwards is, is the one that scares me the most because we've seen that not work in Winnipeg for how many years now? And again, the fact that the Stars, who are trying to stay competitive, thought it was best to part ways, gives me a little bit of pause for concern. And I, I, I do wonder what a new face, some new blood, like a Pascal Vincent, for example, could have done if given the opportunity. But ultimately, the main goal of this offseason for me, and I believe what Chevy and company are trying to achieve, is establish a new culture, establish a level of accountability in the locker room, and I do think Rick Bonus will be successful in changing that. He might be the best option out of everybody that was available to achieve that specific task. Now, is that enough for this team to win a hell of a lot more games than they did last year? Well, a lot of it's on Chevy now. You know, he had a hell of a draft, but he's got to deliver some upgrades to the bench boss as well. Because for me, this isn't a Calgary Flames situation. I just don't think this team can simply switch coaches and that's going to be enough. And if you listen to the presser this past week with Chevy and Bonus, it's abundantly clear that there is no rebuild on the way. No, no selling off of major assets. There might be big trades, but the Jets are going to try to be competitive this year. We'll see if that bet ultimately pays off for them a few months down the road. But all in all, it's not a hire that will revitalize or re-energize this fan base the same way that a Barry Trotz would have. But for a plan B, I think you could do a lot worse. And, and Rick Bonus for me is an easy guy to cheer for. And you know what? Hey, that's not the most important thing when it comes to hockey and, and, and wanting your team to do good. But it makes things a lot easier. And it makes things a little more fun. And, and Rick Bonus, well, you know, maybe not at the level of Paul Maurice, but he'll have a few beauty press conferences uh, win or lose for the Winnipeg Jets in the near future here. Now, the coaching hire was one thing, but there were actually a few key pieces of info to take away from that press conference, introducing bonus with Kevin Chevalier off as well. 
Now, a lot of people are trying to connect the dots here first and foremost that, hey, a two-year deal with an option for a third year for rig bonus, stopgap option that essentially, in a lot of people's minds, leads them down the path of, hey, that opens the door for Barry Trotz to come in in a year or two and take the reins, and ultimately he will. Like, Trotz watch will never end. He's going to come back here to coach the Winnipeg Jets. And I found it really interesting that Kevin Cheveldayoff didn't really waste any time talking about Barry Trotz in that press conference. It was basically the first thing that he said in a presser introducing Rick Bonus, and, and he touched on that. You know what? They, they went down the path, and we all know it. They offered him the job. They wanted him as their first choice, and unfortunately, he turned it down, and the pivot immediately went over to Rick Bonus. So is a return in the cards? For me, I do not envision Barry Trotz coaching for the Winnipeg Jets. For, I, I just I feel like that ship has sailed. I, I kind of equated to, you know, when a team trades a pending UFA and the fans of that team, when they make that move, will always go, well, hey, we can double up here, right? We'll trade the pending UFA, pick up a draft pick, and then we'll re-sign them in the offseason. And, you know, everybody's happy. It's a win-win for our team all involved. But that never had, like, it's like 95, maybe even more percent that that player, once they hit the free agent market, ultimately, they never come back to the team. That's how I kind of see the Barry Trot situation with Winnipeg right now. There was an opportunity for him to coach and be a part of management. He opted to spend time with his family, which is a very noble choice. And I, I just feel like him and the Jets are going to mutually go their own paths right now. And, and maybe Trotz returns to coaching this offseason or midway through this season or becomes a part of management somewhere next season. I, I just don't envision it being here in Winnipeg, especially, too, when you take the fact that it sure does look like True North is waiting and kind of grooming Scott Arneal to be the replacement for Rick Bonus. Not sure how I feel about that, but either way, that's not really the main crux of this point. I just don't see a way that Barry Trotz ends up behind the bench here in Winnipeg. For me, Trotz watch comes to a very melancholy end. Maybe, who knows, he comes back in a managerial role, but coaching to me has uh, gone out the window. Now, not necessarily brought up in the press conference itself, but a common theme that I heard a lot of people talking about with Rick Bonus being hired was who could be the biggest benefactors of this coaching change? Which players stand to gain the most playing under a new coach that's different than Paul Maurice and Dave Lowry? And for me, and I think a lot of people feel the same way, the big, big, big-time winner in this would be, and I know Jets fans will be happy to hear this, Vili Hainala. I think this is a great, great coaching hire if you're a young Finnish defenseman here. And look no further than what Rick Bonus and company did in Dallas over these past few seasons. Now, despite some of their more old-school leanings in certain areas, one modern trend the Stars have really adapted with their blue line specifically is extremely aggressive play. They're not afraid to jump into the play offensively, but almost as importantly, they're not afraid to attack defensively. Step up in the neutral zone. Step up at the blue line. Those are things that a that a really smart, strong skating defenseman can use to their advantage and become a really effective player. 
And I wonder if Hainala, in a sense, was maybe held back by how the Jets wanted their defenseman to play. And if he can blossom and blossom really quickly under the tutelage of somebody like Rick Bonus. Interestingly enough as well, and we'll get to the trade speculation here in just a sec, it does seem like there might be a spot that opens up for him on the depth chart pretty quickly here, but it, it's always sounded like there's been a disconnect between Chevy and Maurice and Lowry between Vili Hainala. Coach is reluctant to play him. GM sounded like he wanted to see him get a bunch of ice time and, and get that soon and maybe even throw a lot onto his plate on top of it. I, I think that's going to be the case this year. I, I really, really believe that the left side of this team's defense is going to be Josh Morrissey in the number one spot. And hey, I, they can battle it out in camp. I, I don't really care either way, but that's followed by Billy Hainala and Dylan Sandberg with Logan Stanley as this team's seventh defenseman. I, I, I think that's the way to go. And I do believe that's the way the Winnipeg Jets want to line up their defense core. So this is a really, this is kind of, I don't want to say it's his last chance because he's still a young kid and he hasn't played that much at the NHL level. But man, what an opportunity for Vili Hainala here. Under a new coach, fresh start, clean slate, somebody that can play to his strengths. If he can come out and just light the light the world on fire in those first 10 games, it'd be really, really intriguing to see just how high Vili Hainala could fly this upcoming season. Now, the reason I talked about a trade speculation, why could there be a potential spot open for the kid? Well, two names seem to be in play right now from the Winnipeg Jets side of things. And it's not Mark Scheifele, and it's not Pierre-Luc Dubois, who, I'll tell you what, at this point, if I had to make a guess, I think both Scheifele and Pierre-Luc Dubois stay for this upcoming season, even though I still have a bit of doubt about Scheifele. That might have been assuaged a little bit with the comments from... Rick Bonus at the press conference saying that Shafley's all in and they're all excited to get to work. I'll, I'll, I'll believe it when I see it still, but it does sound a lot more positive on that front. But the two names, Captain Blake Wheeler, which we've touched on a lot over these last two weeks, and then Brendan Dillon as well. Now, on the Wheeler side of things, and you want to talk about noteworthy things from that conference, but... Generally, when a head coach, the new head coach of your team, gives you a call, look, it's look, if you don't answer it right away, whatever. But generally, you call him back, right? Like, if you get hired at a job, and your boss calls you, and you don't answer, and then you shoot him a text message back a few hours later, you're probably not planning on being at that job for too long. And certainly, your boss isn't going to have you at that job for too long. But for Blake Wheeler to respond with a text message and for Bonus to, to say that publicly when he didn't have to, it, to me, it just points that, you know what, this one is signed, sealed, and delivered in the sense that Wheeler and the Winnipeg Jets will be parting ways here. Uh, it may, may not be tomorrow. It may not be this weekend. It may not be until free agency starts off, but it's going to be happening at some point this offseason here. Now, as far as, again, which teams could be in play, I think what we want to look for as far as potential destinations and why I personally think this is going to happen after free agency starts is which team goes heavy after some of the big name wingers on the market but strikes out on those options. Looking at Johnny Gaudreau, maybe even Matthew Kachuk with the Calgary Flames depending on what they want to do. I mean, Fiala and Debrinket have now been moved. 
that eliminates two other teams that have kind of pushed their chips all in on those two players. And Philip Forsberg as well, if he signs or re-signs with the Nashville Predators, all of a sudden, what looked like a pretty robust market is has thinned out pretty quickly here. And just for example, let's say that Philip Forsberg re-signs with Nashville, which seems to be the most likely option at this point. Which then leaves Johnny Gaudreau as kind of the final big-name, high-end winger talent available for a team. If, say, the New Jersey Devils strike out on him and he goes to Philly or, or somewhere else, I mentioned the Devils as a team that might be a perfect fit for Blake Wheeler before, but maybe that gets thrown onto the hot stove really quickly and, and the Devils become a little more aggressive in trying to make that trade a reality because they could still use somebody like Wheeler for these next two years to kind of help guide along Hughes and Heesher as they try to take another step towards contending for a playoff spot. And it's not a three, four, five-year commitment. It's something that they can, you know what, enjoy for a year or two and then get out of pretty quickly after that. The Devils, for me, right now, are the number one destination for Blake Wheeler. Number two actually still remains the New York Islanders by one and two teams when we did our Wheeler trade episode. But right now, for me, things are starting to trend towards Blake Wheeler being a New Jersey Devil as long as he's willing to waive that no-move-no-trade clause. Now, the other name, maybe surprising, maybe not surprising, Brendan Dillon. Kind of floated around at the trade deadline a little bit, and now it seems like the Winnipeg Jets are going to make a move on that front. And I mean, obviously, I think we're all in agreement that Nate Schmidt would be the guy that you would want to move if you're the Jets, but I, I just don't see any team taking on that salary. All right, like the basically $6 million for a number of more seasons. That's going to be a tough one to move out. Whereas a Brendan Dillon trade opens up a spot on the left side for the youngsters. And at just under $4 million, basically anyone in the league can find a way to fit that in. So the Jets should be able to get some pretty solid assets back in any Brendan Dillon trade. You know, it's kind of bittersweet in a way because, you know, I, I'd love to see, I'd love to give the kids a chance. I have no problem with Sandberg and Hanela playing big minutes this year, but I also think Brendan Dillon would have a really good bounce back season this year under Rick Bonus. So it's it's kind of one of those things you, you might just have to to eat it a little bit and, and watch Dillon have a a bounce back year with his new club. But if it comes at the cost of giving some some highly talented youngsters some more ice time, it's maybe a loss that you have to take if you're the Winnipeg Jets. The intriguing one for me has been potential fit with the Edmonton Oilers and the whole world knows that Jesse Pugliarvi is on his way out the door at Edmonton and you do wonder if there could potentially be a fit between the two sides Dylan goes to Edmonton more size more physicality on the back end you pair him with any one of those guys out there at Edmonton Bouchard nurse whoever it may be and that might be a pretty good fit there and then Pugliarvi comes into Winnipeg and fortifies the middle six whether it's second line, third line, he, he could be a contributing player for the team. And on top of it, Kevin Chevaldeov can continue collecting players from the, the 2016 top five, top six of the draft, like Thanos and the Infinity Stones, right? He's, he's almost got the full collection if he's able to pull that one off. So that that's a trade that does make a lot of sense for both sides, doesn't it? And you know what? There's been a lot of talk about Pugliarvi being either a bust or a disappointing player. 
And look, he's not going to live up to the hype as he was when he was picked third overall. He's not going to be a superstar type player. But even who he is right now is he's an effective player for good teams. He's going to drive play in the right direction. He's going to do a lot of the dirty work. He's going to struggle to score. There's, there's no doubt about that. Finishing's an issue. But he's going to do a lot of other things really, really well. And while he might not run guys through the boards, he does use his size pretty effectively to win battles along the boards and things like that. For for me, he he might go down a similar career path as, as Valerie Nachushkin has done with the Colorado Avalanche here. Wouldn't be bad for the Winnipeg Jets to try to... Uh, Walk down that same path there. I, w- I would be totally okay with a Dylan Pugliarvi swap. We'll see if that ultimately comes to fruition here. But you have to imagine that you move on from Brandon Dillon, whether it's a forward coming back or you get the cap relief and some picks. I think the Winnipeg Jets are going to use that trade in one way or another to bring in somebody to fortify their second and third lines this upcoming offseason. be fascinating to see who that just might be. But... Is it enough? Do we need to see more moves be made here by the Jets to, to to play catch up to some of these teams ahead of them in the Central Division? Would love to know your thoughts. Would love to know Dylan, Wheeler, free agent, trade proposals, all that stuff. Hit me up on Twitter at Brandon underscore Rewicki or the podcast at Skates Plates Pod. But that will do it for this week and this episode as well. We'll get right back to things now that I've got all my microphone cables and wires ready to go and hidden away from the little one. We'll be good to go again when we get back at it on Tuesday. And it'll be a big one as well because we'll get ready for the start of free agency as well as recap any of the major moves that are going to be made in these next couple of days as well. It's going to be a Hell of a time here in the NHL and would love to see the Jets make a splash or two before we get back to it on a Tuesday morning. Until then, though, thank you guys so much for stopping by and listening to another episode of Skates and Plates right here on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rowicki. Enjoy the weekend, everybody. Stay safe out there. and We'll talk to you next week. Peace.